Lesson 5 for April 26 to May 2. Christ and the Sabbath. Sabbath, April 26. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to your word again today. We can learn from the life of Jesus. We can learn from the rationale for his living here on earth. And as we observe your Sabbath this week, we pray that it may be one where we've learnt something from the life and teachings of Jesus that will just make it just so much better. Bless us now as we open your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Let's read that again, Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. The vast majority of Christian denominations observe Sunday as the day of rest and worship, even though the vast majority of Sunday keepers don't really rest on Sunday. Sunday keeping is so prevalent among modern Christians that many believe the day to be the Christian Sabbath. This was not always the case. On the contrary, as a continuation of the Israelite faith, Christianity did not discard all of the symbols of its parent religion, including the Seventh-day Sabbath. For a time, the only Bible that early Christians had to guide them was the Old Testament. No wonder, then, that the issue of an alternative day of worship was not introduced into Christianity until more than a century after Christ ascended to heaven. Furthermore, It was not until the 4th century, with the Edict of Constantine, that Sunday observance became the policy of the dominant church. Unfortunately, even after the Protestant Reformation, almost all Christianity has adhered to keeping Sunday, despite the Bible teaching that the seventh day remains the true Sabbath. This week's lesson will cover Christ and the Sabbath. Sunday, April 27. The Jewish Sabbath? Although many refer to the seventh day as the Jewish Sabbath, the Bible reveals that the Sabbath predates the Jews by many centuries. Its roots go back to the creation itself. Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 declares that after God had completed his acts of creation in six days, he rested on the seventh day and then blessed the seventh day and made it holy. This clearly shows the high place of the Sabbath in God's creation. In addition to the blessing, the Sabbath was also made holy. In other words, God applied some of his own qualities to this monument in time. Question. Compare the two Sabbath commandments in Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 to 11 and Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 12 to 15. In what ways do these relate to the theory that the Sabbath is not only for the Jews? Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. 
For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 to 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The most notable difference between the two commandments is the rationale for Sabbath observance. Exodus makes a direct reference to Genesis chapter 2 verse 3 as it elevates the fact that God both blessed and made holy the Sabbath day. On the other hand, Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15 points to Israel's divine deliverance from Egyptian bondage as being a rationale for keeping the Sabbath day. On the basis of the Deuteronomy text, many believe the Sabbath is only for the Jews. However, this argument totally ignores the fact that the Exodus text points to the creation when God established Sabbath for all humanity. Furthermore, the Deuteronomy 5.15 reference to deliverance from Egypt is symbolic of the salvation we have in Christ. Hence, the Sabbath is a symbol not only of creation, but also of redemption, two themes that are linked with each other in the Bible. We can see this in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 to 20. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross." And First John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, 
And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness to the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Only by the fact that Jesus is our Creator could he also be our Redeemer, and the seventh-day Sabbath is a symbol of his work as both. So, to finish the day, anyone can claim to be resting in Christ. In your own experience, how does keeping the seventh-day Sabbath help you to find that rest? Monday, April 28, A Time for Rest and Worship According to Colossians 1.16 and Hebrews 1.2, the pre-incarnate Christ was directly involved in the creation process. These texts declare that all created things came into existence through him. Paul further expresses that Christ had a part in creating invisible things in Colossians 1.16.17, which would, of course, include the Sabbath. Although Christ was central in the creative process, when he was transformed into human flesh, he subjected himself to his Father's commandment, and we read about that in John 15, verse 10. As earlier lessons showed, Jesus was opposed to certain traditions and used every opportunity to correct religious behaviour that was not grounded in the will of God. If Jesus had intended to abolish the Sabbath commandment, he had plenty of opportunities to do just that. Most of the Sabbath texts in the Old Testament speak of the Sabbath as a day of rest. The understanding of rest in many modern languages may lead some to believe that the Sabbath should be spent sleeping and generally relaxing. While we can definitely enjoy these activities on the Sabbath, the true meaning of rest is cessation, stop, or pause. The Sabbath is a time when we can take a break from the routine labour of the first six days and spend special time with the Creator. By the time of Christ, the Jews were holding a weekly divine worship service on the Sabbath. Those who lived in Jerusalem would attend special prayer services in the temple where the liturgy was different from what it was on the other days of the week's. Jews, who lived in other parts of the world, developed the synagogue as a place of social gathering and worship. On Sabbaths, as long as a minimum of ten males was present, a minyan, a divine worship service, could take place. Question. What do the following texts inform us about Sabbath-keeping among the earliest Christians? 
What does this tell us about those who claim the Sabbath was changed to Sunday in honour of the resurrection? We'll look at Acts 13, 14 and 42 and 44, Acts 16, 13, Acts 17, 2, Acts 18, 4 and Hebrews 4, 9. First of all, Acts chapter 13, verse 14. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And verses 42 and 44. And they read, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And verse 44, On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. And chapter 16, verse 13, And on the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. And Acts 17, verse 2, Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. And Acts 18, verse 4, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. And Hebrews 4, verse 9, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Given their Jewish roots, it was only natural for early Christians to worship on the day prescribed in the Old Testament. Yet, almost twenty years after the ascension of Jesus, it was still Paul's custom to attend a synagogue on the Sabbath, Acts 17, verse 2. Thus, no biblical evidence shows that the first Christians kept Sunday instead of Sabbath. Tuesday, April 29, A Time for Enjoyment Many who claim to keep the Sabbath do not always understand what Sabbath-keeping entails. As did some of the Pharisees in Jesus' time, people even today have imprisoned the Sabbath behind rigid walls of rules and regulations, while others have almost made it a day no different from any other. The Sabbath is supposed to be a delight, not a burden, but it is still a day to be kept holy. During the time when Jesus walked this earth, some of the religious leaders had surrounded the Sabbath with 39 other commandments. They reasoned that if people could keep the 39 laws, then the Sabbath would be perfectly kept. As a result of this well-intentioned lawmaking, the Sabbath, which was intended to be a joy, did indeed become a yoke to many. Question. Carefully read Mark 2, verses 23 to 28. Why did the disciples pluck grain? Does the text indicate that Jesus participated with the disciples? And what biblical laws were being violated, if any? Beginning at verse 23 in Mark 2. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him? And he said to them, 
The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. As Jesus and his hungry disciples walked through a field one Sabbath, the disciples decided to satisfy their hunger by plucking grain. Although it was not their field, their actions were permissible under the law of Moses. We can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 25. When you come into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not use a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain, even if the Pharisees interrupted it as a violation of another Mosaic law that forbade ploughing and harvesting on the Sabbath. Exodus 34 and verse 21 illustrates that. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In ploughing time and in harvest you shall rest. Apparently, Jesus did not partake of the grain. Nonetheless, he took the time to defend the disciples' actions. Jesus reminded the Pharisees that even David and his men had eaten the forbidden sanctuary bread when hungry. In Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28, Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for the benefit of humans, not vice versa. In other words, the Sabbath was not made to be worshipped, but rather to provide opportunities for worship. As God's gift to all humans, the Sabbath is not meant to oppress, but to provide release and liberation. It is truly a way to experience our rest and freedom in Christ. So to finish today, what are some things that you can do on the Sabbath that you can't so easily do other days of the week? Think through this question and bring your answers to class on Sabbath. Wednesday, April 30, A Time for Healing when God created the world, he pronounced that everything was very good in Genesis 1.31, no doubt perfect in every way. However, with the advent of sin, the creation has been corrupted with evil, an impact seen everywhere. Humans, though created in the image of God, became subject to sickness, deterioration and death. We often say that death is part of life. Death, though, is the negation of life, not part of it. Death was never meant to be something that we experience. Given God's original plan for humanity, it is no surprise that some of Jesus' most dramatic healing miracles took place on the Sabbath. Question. Review the Sabbath healing stories in Mark 3, Luke 13, John 5 and John 9. What lessons do these miracles teach about the true purpose of the Sabbath? First of all, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. 
Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. And Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and, behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bent over, and could in no way rise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall, and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whose Satan has bound, think of it, for eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. And John chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralysed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And John chapter 9, verses 1 14. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, for that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbours and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Someone said, this is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed 
and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath that Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Each of the Sabbath healing miracles is spectacular and serves to demonstrate the true meaning of Sabbath. Before Jesus healed the man with the withered hand in Mark 3, he asked the rhetorical question, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? If a person has an opportunity to relieve suffering on the day of liberation, why shouldn't he do it? In fact, the miracle with the woman who had a bent back powerfully demonstrates the liberating purpose of the Sabbath in Luke 13. When criticised for the healing, Jesus asked, Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for eighteen long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? The theme of liberation is also present in the accounts of the healing of the man by the pool of Bethesda, who had been sick for thirty-eight years. We read about that in John 5. And the healing of the man born blind in John 9. In response to the Pharisees' charge that Jesus broke the Sabbath with his healing miracles, he reminded them in John 5.17, My father is always at his work to do this very day, and I too am working. If God did not allow the healing, it would not have happened. When it comes to relieving human misery, God does not rest. So to finish today, what should we learn from the mistakes of these religious leaders about how preconceived notions can so blind us to even the most obvious of truths? Thursday, May 1, A New Creation Sabbath not only reminds us of God's creative ability, but it points to His restorative promises. Indeed, with every healing of a person on the Sabbath, the promise of eternal restoration was powerfully reinforced. In its own unique way, the Sabbath provides a view that reaches back to Earth's earliest history and stretches forward to humanity's eventual destiny. Again, we can say that the Sabbath points both to creation and to redemption. God created this world once already. Due to sin, however, his creation has been defiled, but this defiling will not last forever. A key element of the plan of salvation is restoration, not just of the earth, but, even more important, of people, beings made in his image, who will be restored to that image and who will live on the new earth. The same God who made the first earth, whose work we celebrate every seventh day, will create the earth again. Think about how important remembering our creation must be that we are commanded to do it once a week in a special way. Question. Read the following texts. What message does each one have that can be linked to the meaning of the Sabbath? Isaiah 65.17, Isaiah 66.22, 2 Peter 3.9-13, Revelation 21.1, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Galatians 6.15, and Revelation 21.5. 
First of all, Isaiah 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. And Isaiah 66:22, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And Second Peter 3, 9 to 13. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hasting the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And Revelation 21 verse 1 Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And Galatians 6.15 For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And Revelation 21, verse 5. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. The Sabbath, Ellen White writes in Desire of Ages, page 288 and 289, declares that he who created all things in heaven and in earth, and by whom all things hold together, is the head of the church, and that by his power we are reconciled to God. The Sabbath is a sign of Christ's power to make us holy, and it is given to all whom Christ makes holy. As a sign of his sanctifying power, the Sabbath is given to all who through Christ become a part of the Israel of God. So to finish today, what practical things can you do to allow the power of God to sanctify you? That is, what choices do you make on a daily basis that either help or hinder this creative process in you? Friday, May 2. From the book The Great Controversy, page 582. From the very beginning of the Great Controversy in Heaven, it has been Satan's purpose to overthrow the law of God. It was to accomplish this that he entered upon his rebellion against the Creator, and though he was cast out of Heaven, he has continued the same warfare upon the earth. To deceive men and thus lead them to transgress God's law is the object which he is steadfastly pursued. Whether this be accomplished by casting aside the law altogether or by rejecting one of its precepts, the result will be ultimately the same. He that offends in one point manifests contempt for the whole law. 
His influence and example are on the side of transgression. He becomes guilty of all, as it says in James 2.10. And that brings us to our four discussion questions for this week. One, look at the Ellen White statement in Friday's study, a fuller rendition of the reference used in the information to this quarter. How does the Sabbath and what has happened to the Sabbath in Christendom help us to understand Satan's attack on the law of God? Two, in the following text, Mark 3, 2, Luke 13, 14, John 5, 18 and John 9, 16, Jesus is charged with breaking the Sabbath. Review Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11 and evaluate the merit of this charge. What do you say to those who claim that these passages provide evidence that Jesus broke the Sabbath? 3. In class, go over your answer to the final question at the end of Tuesday's lesson. That is, what are some things that the Sabbath frees you up to do that on other days of the week you might not be able to do because of worldly obligations? 4. Review your own Sabbath experience. Is the Sabbath for you a day of liberation, rest and freedom, or a day of foreboding, bondage and stress? How can you learn to enjoy the Sabbath, to make it a delight, as we are told to do in this verse in Isaiah 58.13? If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honourable, and shalt honour him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Inside Story. Sharing the News. I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of. Although my mother didn't attend any particular church, she prayed for me, and because of her prayers, God took hold of my life. I was in the army when I first felt God's presence leading me. I began visiting churches, from large influential ones to some pretty strange ones. One day, as I walked down the street in the capital city of Bulgaria, I saw a sign for a church I'd never heard of. I felt the Lord pointing me to it, so I stepped inside and sat down to listen to the pastor's sermon. It was a Seventh-day Adventist church. The members' warm welcome touched my heart. After the service, I went searching for a Bible. I attended the Adventist church occasionally, but I still drank and visited discos. One day, while drunk, I broke into a car and was arrested. I realized that drinking would lead me to prison, or worse, so I quit. I asked the Adventist pastor to study the Bible with me, and a year later I was baptized. One day, two members of the church invited me to visit a man they knew. I learned that this man, Simon, was a former leader in the Mafia. He was an alcoholic and was paralyzed. The men introduced me as a friend of theirs and a former alcoholic. Simon perked up and started asking me pointed questions such as how God led me to himself and the Adventist church and how he saved me from alcoholism. Before I left, I gave him a couple of small books to read. Two weeks later, I visited Simon again, this time alone. Simon had read the two books I had given him and had started reading the Bible. He asked me question after question and wouldn't let me go. 
I suggested that we study the Bible together. It wasn't logical, but I started with Daniel 2. I learned that Simon knew a lot about world history and the countries of the prophecies included in Daniel. He was excited by the study and later told me that he had studied my notes and his history books until 2.30 in the morning. And it all fits, he said, amazed. Simon stopped drinking and smoking and is recovering from his paralysis. Now he no longer needs his wheelchair. He has given his life to Jesus and is looking forward to baptism. I thank God for my mother's prayers and for God who saw potential in an alcoholic whose life was going nowhere. And thank you for giving to mission so that others in this world can know that our wonderful Saviour loves them. Your reader this week has been Dr. Percy Harold. The lessons have been brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Remember that God is always faithful.